And the winner of Pop Idol 2003 is... The 2000s Chart Show. The 2000s Chart Show. The 2000s Chart Show. Oh, wow. Thank you, thank you. It's an honour just to be nominated, but it's great to win Pop Idol 2003. This is the 2000s Chart Show, the chart show every week. We're celebrating the music of the 2000s, one UK top 40 singles chart at a time. I am Samuel Spencer. This week, another great week. New songs from Basement Jacks, Boogie Pimps, Flip and Phil, Khalees, Michelle McManus, Motorcycle, Peaches, R.E.M. and Sean Paul. It's a great time to be a pop fan. Sophie Ellis-Bexter is at number two in the charts. So let's get started. Number 40 in its seventh week, down from 39, Clapback and Reigns by Ja Rule. In the club with no gun, got him taking it off. Can't help that. I'm the n- that puts it down once I hit that. Sit him up in the mind, axing him home in the throwback. West 44 Lakers, let's make no mistakes when these eps take place. What's the procedure with a gun in your face when you got one in your waist? Let's cock back. Hey, I'll come back. We gon' clap 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 back. Jarrell, of course, spent much of 2003 and 2004 feuding with 50 Cent. 50 Cent once wrote a track about Jarrell called I Smell Pussy. Is that you, Jarrell? I smell pussy. Which is nice, isn't it? In 2013, Jarrell would tell Hot 97 that he felt that he lost the feud between himself and 50 Cent. And certainly that seems to be true on this week's chart because he is at number 40, whereas 50 Cent's band G-Unit is at number 36. But we'll get there in a few moments first. The first of our nine new entries this week. This is at 39 Peaches featuring Iggy Pop with Kick It. Pop, of course, a legendary punk figure from the 60s and 70s. Peaches, a 2000s electro clash artist known for her incredibly sexually frank and hilarious lyrics. Once saw her perform at the Royal Festival Hall, she unveiled a giant inflatable penis. She then crawled through to stage drive through the front row of the audience. Incredible stuff. Then finished the gig by doing Celine Dion's song, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, but with a kind of latex bib that had about eight tits on it she was wearing. And of course, she changed the lyrics to such things as, When you fist me like this, and you rim me like that. You know, as you would expect. But how did these two countercultural icons work together? They met at the Shortlist Awards in 2003 when Peach just decided that she wanted to meet Iggy, so she gatecrashed his dressing room. And she says his girlfriend knew who she was, which led Iggy to look into her stuff. He wanted to record her song Rock Show, which he recorded on his 2003 album Skull Ring. And then she said, if you cover that in return, would you do a song on my album, the incredibly named 
father fucker. Don't get that from S Club 8, do you? And the result of this was the song Kick It. Also, the result was Iggy Pop saying in an interview, which I read at some point and now can't find, but remember vividly him saying that Peaches was the most mental woman he'd ever met, which is quite saying something from Iggy Pop, famously known as one of the most berserk performers and generally humans of all time. You can lose entire days to reading anecdotes about Iggy Pop and it's well worth doing. Here's a few. And I'll warn you, this next anecdote is not for the squeamish. So I don't want people fainting out there. So be warned, it's about to get nasty. But this is a July 31st gig in 1973. The band were playing at the infamous New York club Max's Kansas City. Iggy decided to climb his way through the crowd. He stood in a chair, it slipped underneath him, and he landed on a load of glasses. He was cut up pretty bad, but rather than just deciding to go to hospital like a sane person would, he decided to arch his back so that the blood would squirt onto the front row of the crowd. Apparently the initial tape to seal the wound with gaffer tape failed miserably, but luckily Iggy's old friend Alice Cooper was there to take him to the hospital. Other things he was known for doing as a performer, he would put his genitals on the amps. He would sometimes take so many drugs that he would just puke on stage and to continue. He once accidentally snorted angel dust and then had to be carried off, which actually, funnily enough, I can't believe this, but that's actually all things that I do before recording this podcast, which might explain a lot. So quite the wild pair doing a wild, amazing song together, but Generally, these two are a little bit wild for the UK Top 40. This is the second of Peach's two UK Top 40. She previously got to number 36 with her song Set It Off in June 2002. Crazy that Peaches has not had more success on the UK Top 40. Who would have known that an artist with songs with titles like Slippery Dick, Vagina Plasty, and of course Fuck the Pain Away would struggle to get radio play? Who could conceive of that? And actually, Iggy Pop also has a quite a, a surprisingly brief UK Top 40 career for the kind of totemic legend that he is. He's only ever had one top 10 single, which was A Real Wild Child in November 1986, and only four top 40 singles, of which this is the fourth and final. So the last time we'll be hearing about these two icons, but, you know, bringing a nice bit of rock into the proceedings, which is always good on any week in which you're going to have to end things by talking about Michelle McManus. However, the rock stops here because at number 38, down from 33 in its sixth week on the chart, here is Say It Isn't So by Gareth Gates. I say the rock stops here, but in exactly one way, Gareth Gates was like a rock star at this point, and that is because he has released a tediously long double album. Of course, you weren't anyone in the 1970s in the rock music scene if you didn't release a self-indulgent double album. And so too did Gareth Gates with his album Go Your Own Way. That album was 85 minutes long. That's an hour and a half of Gareth Gates and featured 
19 songs in the British edition. No one can say that Gareth Gates wasn't trying, but ultimately he was just trying. And certainly it seems that the public had had enough of Gareth Gates at this point. He would not release another album until 2007. Probably because he was bloody exhausted after releasing a nine, you know, hour and a half long album. So he's at 38 and at 37, a former number one single in its 12th week on the chart for Fat Man Scoop and the Crooklyn Clan with Be Faithful. Did Fat Man Scoop invent the traitors with the song Be Faithful? No, because he didn't say, if you've got a cunty bob, put your hands up and therefore didn't invent Diane from the Traitors. At 36, beating Ja Rule by four places is 50 Cent and his G-Unit with Stunt 101. Might blow. I'm finna drop that, so I suggest you really low. But he from Cashville, Tennessee, getting them Tennessee. Which has a slightly puzzling lyric that now every time I've listened to it gets more and more bizarre. It reads, "My royalty checks, the rebirth of Liberace." To which. The only question I can ask is, what, you're, you have gay royalty checks? Another song that doesn't really make that much sense at 35, and it's sixth week down from 28, Life for Rent by Dido. By the sea, to travel the world alone and live more simply I have no idea what's happened to that dream Cause there's really nothing left here to stop me it's just a thought, only a thought. If my life is falling. But hey, we'll get the release of the pink song God is a DJ in a few weeks. So I guess if God can be a DJ, he can also be a landlord renting us our own lives. At 34, in its fifth week, down from 30, Alicia Keys' You Don't Know My Name. <laughs> hard to forget it love when your last name is keys and you play the piano 33 is our next new entry here is rem with animal the 
second single from R.E.M.'s Greatest Hits Collection, In Time, a Spencer Family Car Journey classic. If the top 40 had been in 2004, like it is in 2024, and based on number of plays rather than number of sales, the amount of times we played that album in the car alone would keep it in the top 40 for years. Although I have to say, if, I am, if I'm honest, we did often skip the song Animal. In fact, we'd often, this was at track 11, we'd also, we'd tend to skip track 10 and 11, so Day Slooper and Animal, because then that put together Imitation of Life, which is my favourite R.E.M. song, and The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, which is a absolutely great car sing-along classic. Also a great misheard lyric, because the chorus for Sidewinder Sleep Tonight goes, I think, call me, we, call me if you try and wake her up. Call me if you try and wake her my sister always thought was call me when I'm Jamaican so that was a lot of fun we must have had I think a, a shitty car stereo because there are so many private jokes among my family about misheard lyrics for example how my mum thought that the song Vogue by Madonna was co- just called Go come on go but back to Animal this led me to of course Google Animal REM to try and find out some more information about this song which led me into a wild wormhole about articles about whether animals are able to experience REM sleep or not so REM in this case standing for rapid eye movement which is a basically the phase in the human brain that we go into when we're dreaming and apparently spiders might have REM sleep because scientists have seen their little spider eyes doing REM which means that spiders may dream as do octopus and cuttlefish so there you go that's my public service remit done for the week you've learned about animals sleeping but now we need to talk about rem and i'd love to say that this that tangent was relevant because rem stands for rapid eye movement but in fact it doesn't even seem that it does the legend about the name of rem was that they chose the name at random by flicking through a dictionary, but a friend of theirs from their early years in Georgia has said that the band was named after a photographer called Ralph Eugene Meatyard. And side note, only in America could someone have the surname Meatyard. Second side note, something I've been thinking about a lot is, don't you think that the name Reed Diffuser is like a perfect American newsreader name? Anyway, tangent-filled episode. We've only got nine new entries, so there's lots of room for my bullshit this week. Yes, they were named after, apparently, a photographer called Ralph Eugene Meatyard who would sign his prints as REM and that Stipe would often ask about his work to this friend. So that is how they've made that connection. By the way... Ralph Eugene Meatyard's work is a lot of black and white pictures of people in masks, which does kind of seem like the mad shit that Michael Stipe from R.E.M. would like. Of course, one of the other things that R.E.M. that Michael Stipe likes is penises because he is a famous gay man and therefore should you should be adding losing my religion to your pride playlist right now in between i don't know born this way and i will survive losing my religion despite being probably the most famous rem song i guess it is in competition with everybody hurts but not one of their 11 uk top 10 singles their highest chart position being in 2000 when their song The Great Beyond got to number three. They have 31 UK top 40s, of which Animal is obviously one, and they will go on to have one more UK top 10 single with Leaving New York, which comes out later in 2004. A great late period REM song. Right at the beginning of this podcast, we gave Girls Aloud the title of the queens of the brilliantly meaningless lyric. And if they are the queens, then REM are definitely the kings. Thank you to hooksandharmony.com, who assembled a list of 21 weird REM lyrics, of which I will share just a few. She's a real woman child. Oh, my kiss breath turpentine. I mean, that could be in the song Biology, you know. Then I got my cappuccino to go. She's a real woman child. Oh, my kiss breath turpentine. Because you can't mistake my breath turpentine, of course. 
by the way, that was from the REM song Crush With Eyeliner. I would lick your feet, but is that the sickest move? That's from Ebal the Letter. In their song King of Comedy, they gave us the immortal couplet, I'm not the king of comedy, grease the pig, give a squeeze. In Pilgrimage, they gave us, your hate clipped in distance, your luck a two-headed cow. That was the animals section of this article, by the way. And the final lyrics from this article in the yeah, no clue section are, I've got my telescope head in the haystack, I'm getting tired of your dodgeball circus act, put pepper in my coffee, I forgot to bark on command. I'm sure, I'm sure that speaks for all of us there when I say that. So R.E.M. at 33 behind a song that somehow has had the second longest chart run on this week's top 40, despite only getting as far as number 15. However, this will be the last time that we'll be hearing on the top 40 from UB40 and the United Colours of Sound with Swing Low. United Colours are soon to be disunited. Why Swing Low is Swinging Low. Our next song is Up One. This is Lost City featuring G Tom Mack with Cry Little Sister. I need you now. down from 25 in its sixth week simply read with you make me feel brand new can't when I needed a friend cover of you make me feel brand new could have been dedicated to any of the famous women that he dated and it's quite a list he was rumored to have slept with alex best the former wife of george best remembered for her stint on i'm a celebrity get me out of here he also dated melanie sykes helena christensen the model kevin zeta jones Martin McCutcheon, Steffi Graf, the tennis player, Alicia Duval, Brigitte Nielsen, Ulrika Johnson. I mean, to be honest, you know, if you were a man in the 90s, it was like a ballot. You know, everyone had their turn dating Ulrika Johnson. And of course, the iconic reality TV who of the mid 2000s, Lady Victoria Hervey. I'd feel bloody brand new if I dated all those people. He said in an interview in 2023 that he'd had sex with about a thousand women. He said that he used to bed three women a day and would go on 15-hour benders mixed with cocaine and heroin. That's according to marker.com. Never underestimate a crooner, I guess. You can't really imagine Michael Bublé dicking down in the same way, but maybe wouldn't like to speculate for legal reasons. That takes us out of the 30s and into the 20s and time to look at some of the songs that are fighting it out for number one this week. At this point, Mad World by Michael Andrews and Gary Jules had been number one for three weeks, but I think sold about 47,000 copies last week. So that bodes well for anyone wanting to get a number one. And here are the big contenders led by 
Pop Idol Season 2 winner Michelle McManus. previous winner of Pop Idol in 2002 was, of course, Will Young, whose single Anything Is Possible slash Evergreen spent three weeks at number one, selling in its first week 1.1 million copies. So obviously expectations are high for the second winner of Pop Idol, Michelle McManus. 2003, a rare year in British pop that didn't have a single song that sold a million copies. So could Michelle McManus be the one to do that? Well, we will find out. Although the reception to Michelle McManus winning was less positive than that of Will Young's. The song got quite a slating in the press and one of the pop idol judges walked off the set when she won. So all may not be well in the Michelle McManus camp, but that still might not stop her from getting the first new number one of 2004. But she will first have to defeat Khalees with her defining song. Another song that I would have bet my life on being a summer song, but it's coming out here in January, Milkshake. Milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like, it's better than yours. Because that's really what you want in January, a nice cold milkshake. Her highest charting song at this point had been Caught Out There, which got to number four in March 2000. But in 2003, she did manage a number eight hit with her collaboration with Richard X, Finest Dreams. Will she be able to reach a new chart high this week and will she be able to beat the pop idol juggernaut? We will definitely find out. But also worth noting in the top 10 is Sean Paul. He had an absolutely massive 2003, released seven different songs, one of which was a number one hit with Breathe. He'll be hoping to get his second number one with his cover of the Jamaican dancehall classic, I'm Still In Love With You. But will the British public still be in love with Sean Paul? There is only one way to find out. It's to keep listening. But now let's go into those 20s. 29 in its fourth week, doing amazingly well, seeing as it's a novelty song about Christmas and it's now mid-January. Proper Crimbo by Bo Select. in his fifth week down from 24 is Nelly Furtado's Powerless Say What You Want. Nelly Furtado album that gets into the sample laden world of hip hop but I didn't know until this week that Powerless is actually uses a sample itself it features elements from the iconic early hip hop song Buffalo Girls by Malcolm McLaren (laughs) 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 (laughs)
which if you haven't heard the song you may recognize from hundreds of other songs according to whosampled.net it's been sampled 365 different times uniting songs as disparate as powerless by nelly Furtado, without me by eminem Two trailer park girls go round the outside, round the outside. Buffalo Stance by Nina Cherry. And Umbop. Which, although I've never heard DJ Scratching on it, apparently does feature samples of DJ Scratching from Buffalo Girls. The question, of course, being why you wouldn't just scratch yourself, why you would, like, pay to license scratches from other places. But the Dust Brothers, the producers of Hanson's Umbop, did exactly that. So, Powerless by Nelly Furtado in fine company there. And in fine company in the top 40, because she is just behind, down from 21 in its fifth week, Christina Aguilera with The Voice Within. question for all you out there what do you think christina aguilera's voice within sounds like you know we, we all have that voice inside us you know that says you're too fat you're too ugly you're too untalented but i imagine hers is like yo you get no talent you get the idea with that 26 now and it's 13th week so actually just edging out be faithful to be the longest running song on this week's chart even though it was only able to make it to number two although as anyone who listened to our best of 2003 special will know it really seems that number two is a much cooler place to be on the uk top 40 charts than number one certainly many more number two singles on our chart than number one singles so kevin little in good company there but if you think you're gonna get away from me you better change your mind you're going home you're going home with me tonight let me hold you go caress my body you got me going crazy you turn me on turn me on let me charm you go wine on around me you got me going crazy you turn me on turn me on talking about former number two singles in its eighth week at 25 we have jump by girls aloud song i've mentioned before features its b-side the girls allowed incredible cover of greece from greece featuring of course on a cd compilation that i definitely bought in a charity shop for about 25 pence greece mania if you'd ever wondered what westlife singing greece lightning sounds like or darius dinesh singing sandy branded at the drive-in branded 
the fool What will they say Monday at school then that is the place to go. Also the place to go to hear Gareth Gates sing his version of Grease. He just didn't have enough music out in 2003. He needed to add to those 90 minutes of Maudlin Ballads. And the iconic collaboration of Jonathan Wilkes and Saran Jones singing Summer Nights. Presumably they were actually in a West End production of Grease. I'm not sure why else you would team up Robbie Williams' best friend with that woman off a Corrie, as she was at the time. Although of course she has since become a legendary actress, whereas Jonathan Wilkes owns a performing arts school in Swindon. Which, if we ever do a live show, I think one of the tour dates would have to be at the Jonathan Wilkes Performing Arts Academy in Swindon. We'd also do one at the Lisa Scott Lee Performing Arts Academy in Dubai, if I wasn't morally opposed to Dubai. But we can't get into why the whys and wherefores of that now, because we have to get to number 24 in its fourth week, a number 11 hit for Blue, featuring Stevie Wonder with Sign Sealed Delivered, I'm Yours. Here I am. trying to find a clip for this for the last few weeks but I can't find it if anyone has it please send it to me there was a great bit from one episode of Nevermind the Buzzcocks in which the teams are talking about this song and someone says what the hell did Stevie Wonder think when he was teaming up with Blue oh these backing dancers are a bit close it's much funnier in the clip but I can't find it so you'll have to make do with my version of it for now so Blue at 24 and at 23 Katie Melia with the closest thing to crazy how can I have got in so deep? Why did I fall in love with you? This is the closest thing to crazy I have ever been. Feeling 22, acting 17. Maybe 9 million bicycles in Beijing, but there's only 22 places above Katie Bellier in this week's chart. Yep, that was smooth, seamless patter there. That's down from 22 in its sixth week, so staying strong is old Katie. In the song, she says she's feeling 22, acting 17, by which we can only assume she's sitting on a bridge, drinking cider and sniffing glue. More power to you, Katie, if that is the case. Although I suggest there's an open-ended question for you out there. Do you think Katie Bellier has ever sniffed glue? Unlikely. If you're listening, Katie, please let me know. At 22, meanwhile, down from 20, we have Effinescence with My Immortal. And uh, let's just say this song isn't immortal on these charts because it only has two more weeks to go before it drops out of the top 40. This pain is just too real. There's just too much that time cannot erase. When you cried, I wipe away all of your tears. When you scream, I fight away all of your fears. I held your hand through all of I was about to say for all time, but then it seems that for some reason in July 2013, the song got to number 40 again. God, streaming era charts are so bizarre. I'm literally talking to you in a week where Murder on the Dance Floor is at number two, Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield is at like 38. 
Princess Superstar and Mason's Perfect Exceder is in the top 20. Things are very weird. It seems that the entire nation has had the realisation that many of us had a few years ago that maybe the music of the 2000s might be better than the music of the 2023s. I now, but I now need to find out why the hell My Immortal just came back briefly in 2013. I mean, there is a clip of someone performing My Immortal at the live voice final in the UK, which has got 4 million views. So maybe that's why? When was the voice final in 2013? It was the 22nd of June, so seems possible. And she did win the voice, so maybe that explains it. Although nothing says that we don't give a shit about the career of someone from The Voice is that everyone listened to her version and then it's like, "Mm, no, I think I'm going to listen to the Evanescence original instead. Of course, the woman who won The Voice that year, by the way, was called Andrea Begley and she was on Danny O'Donoghue from the Scripps team beating Jesse J's artist Matt Henry. Which makes me wonder, what do you think Jesse J thought when someone else's act won The Voice over hers? I will always, I will find as many reasons as I can to put that clip out there. But for now, we are putting My Immortal to bed and moving on to another Christmas-themed song that is still thriving throughout January. This is in its fourth week, another former number two hit, down from seven, so leaving the chart pretty soon, I would guess. The Darkness with Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End. takes us to the halfway point in this chart still to come songs from basement jacks calice michelle mcmanus sean paul boogie pimps and at number 20 a new entry for flip and phil featuring junior with irish blue Yes, the Irish blue. If loving you with my whole heart's a crime, then I'm guilty. That was an Irish accent in case you were wondering. No, Irish blue. This is actually a huge moment for me, this song. This is a song I've had in my head for, well, I mean, 20 years. 20 years since it came out. And finally, this week in doing the research for this podcast, I found out what it was called. There were three songs that I have been earworms in my life for my basically my entire life and this is the final one of them that i have found the name for so i'm so glad to finish that trilogy in fact finding out that trilogy of songs has been a real journey through the progressions in pop music over the last few years so the first of them i found out was robert mars's children that was an earworm that i had for years until on one of those 
adverts used to get on music channels, you know, for like compilations where it would be, you know, it would... I think it was called like Renaissance Classics and it would like play all of the songs. And on that ad, it said featuring such songs as Children by Robert Miles. And I was like, no, that's that song. And so that was the first one. And then there was one that, for, this was the the worst one. It was a song that was, was like, hey, mama, hey, no idea what it was. Literally to the extent that it would like play on the radio and then like the DJ would say what the song was and like the radio signal in my car would go. It was like that much of a joke that I didn't know this song. And then probably like day two that I had Spotify in like 2008 or something. I had it on shuffle after listening to some like 90s dance song, probably knowing me, King of My Castle by Wamdu Project. And then literally the next song on the shuffle like radio was that song, which I then learned after, yeah, 15 years of of wanting to know what it was that it was Sunshine by Dario G. And now a song that all I knew of it was that chorus bit that's like blue is the colour, there goes my mind. I now know in this year of our Lord 2024 that that is Irish Blue by Flip and Phil featuring Junior. I feel complete somehow. Irish Blue in fact in case you're wondering is a colour. It's technically a type of sky blue which is associated with the patron saint of Ireland St Patrick but it is apparently also confused with a darker blue which you may know better as as I like to call Ryanair blue that is not Irish blue it is in fact a light sky blue although it being Ryanair blue would make a lot more sense with the lyrics because every time you do see that Ryanair blue you think oh there goes my mind I'm about to have a terrible flight to Alicante or wherever you may be going. I mean, to be fair, saying this song is about Ryanair makes as much sense as any interpretation of these lyrics. So this is the chorus. Blue is the colour that blows my mind. Every day is another lifetime that passes me by. Irish blue is a colour that drives me wild. How can I survive another day, girl, without you in my life? It feels like there's like kind of two songs going on there. One is like a pretty standard song about like not wanting to live without a this girl. I heard it in a thousand pop songs. And then every second line, he just goes, oh yeah, and I really like this colour of Irish blue, by the way. Maybe her eyes were that colour? I guess that is it, isn't it? Good, glad to have solved that mystery live on air. But of course, Flip and Phil had no time in 2004 to write lyrics that actually made sense because they were too busy remixing pretty much every single Girls Aloud song. Any of you out there who have the Girls Aloud singles box, you incredibly lucky people. I'm so envious that I haven't, never bought it and now don't want to pay 150 quid for it. That little cute little metal box with all those classic girls allowed singles in my most coveted possession but if you listen to those those singles you will find many a flip and fill remix so they will always have a part in gay pop cultural history will flip and fill who i'd really hoped were both two different fills who then decide to call themselves flip and fill to differentiate themselves but sadly that is not the case flip and fill are manchester-based djs graham turner and mark hall but when they weren't remixing girls allowed songs they were making their own songs and they will have one more top 40 hit later in in 2004 but their peak was back in July 2002 when Shooting Star got to number three I mean we talk about songs that I know from dance music compilation adverts so they are at number 20 Flip and Phil they're featuring Junior Junior by the way the stage name of singer Leroy Van Brown who sang on the original version of Pretty Green Eyes by Force and Styles he is a iconic happy hardcore vocalist apparently Looking at a picture of him, he kind of looks like a black Keith Herring. So Irish Blue, Flip and Film Junior at 20, and at 19, down from 11 in their second week. The writing is definitely on the wall there for S Club 8. Head, you're the tainted mirror in your step. My heart is to reject. 
Clubate sounded like singing a song from Greece. Here they are singing Tears on My Pillow on the Greece Mania soundtrack. course nearly all of them born a good 15 years after Greece was released and in fact I think pretty much all of them were even born after the Kylie Minogue version was the number one hit in 1990. Talking of covers at 17 and 18 we have two in a row at 18 Shane Ritchie's cover of Wham's I'm Your Man. weeks in the chart and is down from eight and in its fourth week on the chart down from ten atomic kittens take on cool in the gangs ladies night able to match the Atomic Kitten cover songs that got to number one. Eternal Flame, of course, by the Bangles and Tide is High by Blondie. 16 now, the woman of the moment. It's seriously looking like she might be able to beat Ariana Grande with a song that is 20 years old, which is completely mental, especially when the Ariana song is like pretty good, but that isn't going to stop Sophie Lespexter from maybe getting to number one. I mean, if she does, if she's able to beat a a like living pop le- legend like Ariana Grande with Murder on the Dance Floor, then we might as well just give up releasing new pop music and just re-release songs from 2004. Which, if that happens, I'm perfectly situated to lead that revolution. So it might be quite good for me, even though I would like pop music to continue. Anyway, this isn't Murder on the Dance Floor. Which this is when you knew that things got serious. She got to number two on Friday and then released the physical formats. I was like, holy shit. So I feel Spectre is not messing around. Although, I frankly, she is messing around charging £16 for the Murder on the Dance Floor 7-inch single. You know, you can buy Sophia Lispector's entire Read My Lips album on vinyl for 35 quid. Why would you spend half of that to get one track? By the way, shout out to the people at Plastic Pop Records for their iconic work releasing great underrated pop albums on vinyl. Released all of the first four Sophia Lispector albums and Cinderella Eyes by Nicola Roberts. So not an ad, but if you're a pop music fan and you're not already familiar with the work of Plastic Pop Records, get on it. In that tangent, did I mention that it's I Won't Change You at 16? I have found you, you changed my life. you're the one who showed me I had everything Change my mind I try 
I didn't, it is at number 16, down from nine in its second week. So not doing as well as her former songs may explain why it would take her another four years to release a follow-up, making her the Gareth Gates of female pop music in that way only. To my knowledge, she has never had an illicit affair with Katie Price, although would be fun if she had. At 15, another iconic, I now know, cover version. Of course, the original version is French, but this version is from How You Say, uh, A.D. Ikisha. Down from 15 in its fourth week, doing very well despite only being able to get to number 10 in one of the busiest Christmas number one weeks that the pop charts had ever seen. Listen back to that episode for more. in the charts is another song that's debuted that same week but at number 12 but is holding on much more firmly to that mid 10 spot it was 13 last week it's pete was 12 it's now at 14 it is ultra beat with feeling fine that's good enough for me i'm on top now i'm before that Pretty Green Eyes by Ultra Beat was a cover and so too with their song Feeling Fine originally released as a happy hardcore song by Darren Styles, actually of Force and Styles. So you have to say that is pretty pretty craven of Ultra Beat. Not only was their first song in the charts a cover, but then their second song on the charts was a cover by the same artist. So literally just plumbing the depths of one artist to just keep getting hits. Cause I'm on top and now I'm feeling fine. I haven't seen the like of it since 18s were an ABBA tribute band. Anyone can remember that? No? You got no idea what I'm talking about? Fine. Mamma mia Here I go Just saying, Ultra Beat winning the Unoriginality Olympics this week with their second cover, Feeling Fine. Although the record-buying public doesn't seem to give a shit. They are loving it. Well, not quite as much as Pretty Green Eyes, but certainly it's doing very well. Doing less well is last week's number five now dropped out of the top ten in its second week. He says in the chorus, bring it on, bring it on, tell your friends to come along. Your friends were like, nah, I'm all right, cheers. It is Alistair Griffin. Just behind at number 12, our next new entry just missing out of the top 10. One of two new entries just missing out on the top 10. We will talk about number 11 in a second. But first, here is at 12, Basement Jacks featuring Lisa Kakola, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, with Good Luck. Ooh, 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 
song I have been misreading the lyrics and intention of for 20 years. So I've just, I I always thought that the, the chorus went, good luck, good luck, good luck in your new pad, as in, you know, like a kind of greetings, greetings card you might get in a uh, Clinton's card saying, you know, good luck in your new house. But turns out it's not, actually the title good luck is ironic and the lyrics actually go, good luck, good luck, good luck in your new bed. Enjoy your nightmares, honey, while you're resting your head. So it's actually a song wishing bad, sarcastic good wishes to someone who had dumped her. All this time, I'm just thinking that she just like, they'd written a song about to really, they were like, people have written songs about happy birthdays, so we can't get in that niche. Uh, You know, people have written songs about weddings, new babies. Oh, no one's done a song about a new house. So that's that's the way to, to, you know, get our, we can retire on that. But no, they didn't do that at all. And the reason I know that it's like actually a vicious song about betrayal is because the verses really go from zero to 100. So it starts, but wake up, baby. You're so totally deluded. Yeah, fair enough. You'll end up old and lonely. Yeah, okay, that's, you know, that's mean, but it's not, it's not completely savage. Next line, if you don't get a bullet in your head. Okay. I've never seen anyone who was uh, so deluded that they ended up getting murdered, but I'm sure they exist. I'm sure Basement Jacks did their research. So yeah, I totally misread this song, but I'm certainly not the only person to have taken the name Good Luck at face value. This song was the theme to the BBC's coverage of Euro 2004, which is pretty funny. You know, they just want to say good luck to Britain. Meanwhile, they're saying like, I hate you and I hope you die with your new with your new partner. Maybe that explains why we went out in the quarterfinals in Euro 2004. And yes, I did have to look that up. Imagine me retaining sports knowledge. I mean, maybe that's the case that they just misread the song. Although I like to think it was some gay little executive throwing shade at the England team. Being like, to anyone who thinks this team has any chance of winning Euro 2004, I say... There you go. Football coverage. The first and last time we will do that. Although I say that, there is a song coming in a few weeks from Yeovil Town FC that makes the UK top 40. So unfortunately, we'll be dipping our toe into the waters of football yet again. But for now, we can instead talk about Basement Jacks. At this point, they've had four top 10 singles. Red Alert got to number five in May 99. Rendezvous, number four in August 99. Romeo got to number six in June 2001. And in December 2001, Where's Your Head At? got to number nine. They have one more top 10 in them when Oh My Gosh gets to number eight in March 2005. But in 2004 and 2003, Basement Jacks very much in their random singers era. This song, Good Luck, is from the album Kish Cash, which has the most arranged assortment of guest singers this side of Greece mania in fact so obviously Lisa Kikola is singing this song but also vocals on this album came from Dizzy Rascal whose song Lucky Star was in the chart a few weeks ago Susie from Susie and the Banshees and JC Chazé from NSYNC definitely can't imagine those people at the same dinner party Lisa Kikola by the way is a singer from the American band The Bellways of which there's not really much to say they're just an American rock band this week's number 11 new entry this I say new entry it was at number 84 last week but has made it up to a 11. This week it is As the Rush Comes by a band called Motorcycle, which is the kind of name that ChatGPT would give to a band, but it seems that songwriters Josh Gabriel, Dave Dresden and Jess Breeden chose it for themselves. by 
the way, Joss Gabriel and Dave Dresden are the producing duo Gabriel and Dresden, and Jess Breeden is the singer that you hear there in that clip. In 2004, they were voted the 41st best DJs in the world by DJ Mag, with Tiesto at number one. I'm just looking at the list here, and very strange. That time in the Madonna music video, where she becomes a cartoon DJ with eight arms, didn't make it into the top 100. Sexist in a way, isn't it? Gabriel and Dresden, by the way, their other claim to fame was that they did all of the music for the plastic surgery drama Nip Tuck, of course starring Julian McMahon, at the time Danny Minogue's husband, which reminds me of a funny observation that one of my friends made on the weekend that I had to share with you, just kind of out of nowhere. I think we were we were in a in a pub and they were playing I Begin to Wander by Danny Minogue, which is the way you know it was a, a gay pub. And they just said to me, isn't it weird that she just says, and there were days when I went completely blind. That's crazy. She had entire days where she was just blind. <laughs> found that very funny, just the idea. She also just says it so casually in that song. And there were days when I went completely blind. You know, she just lost you just wandering around all day, losing her sight, banging into tables. I'd begin to wander too, you know, if I started getting blind. That might not be lost love, babe. That might be diabetes. Yeah, so that was funny. And there were days when I Not that related to Gabriel and Dresden, but I thought I needed to share it with you. This song may only be at number 11 in the British charts, but it did get to number one on the American dance slash mix show airplay charts. I don't want to give you my usual 10 minute rant about the American charts, but this really does highlight everything that's wrong with them. So this dance slash mix show airplay chart tracks what's played on the radio on just six different radio stations so you know being number one of it is like totally meaningless just american charts a they're all airplay which can be like you know is all about promotion it's not really about like quality of song to the same extent and also there's all these like completely like confusingly named charts that are based on like such tiny pools of data it's all bullshit like you know i have the good grace to be generally ashamed of being british as everyone should but one of the things that we did much better than america and most of the world was by having a chart that was based entirely Entirely on single sales. It's such a great thing, in fact, that like stupid nostalgia podcast can't even ruin it. As much as I try, we'll never beat the purity of the original singles chart. Of course, now we've had a streaming and everything's a clusterfuck. But in the 2000s, it was still great, even though we're about the download chart starts in November and CD sales are at an all-time low. But everything is fine for now. All of these developments we will cover when we get there. So that is at number 11, and we are now heading into the top 10 with four new entries out of the 10 boogie pimps calice michelle mcmanus and sean paul all trying to beat michael andrews's mad world to become the first new number one of 2004 one song that definitely hasn't made it however is at number 10 although it is a former number one in its seventh week still in the top 10 so doing very well leave right now by will young Feeling weaker and weaker Somebody better show me how Before I fall any deeper I think I better live right now I'm here So please explain Why you're opening up a healing wound again seems he's not ready to leave the top 10 right now ah ha 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 although i kind of wish that he would leave the top 40 because his next single is the in my opinion superior your game which i really want to start talking about and at number nine the incredible chart run of hey ya by outcast has done something amazing it has re-entered the top 10 after nine weeks
started at number six, then went to eight, ten, left the top top ten, went to thirteen, twenty-two, and has now been climbing up. Sixteen, thirteen, fourteen, number nine. And it still has six places to climb before it reaches its peak with a absolute timeless bop, even though the fact that it used the lyric, now y'all Beyonce's and Lucy Lou's does date it exactly to the early 2000s. In fact, I would say even by 2003, Lucy Lou's like peak period of stardom was over. But such is the force of Hey Ya that we don't really give it any thought. So at number nine, and it's still got many steps to climb. So we will talk about it again as we will talk about in its eighth week, still at number eight, down from four. So doing very well, although not quite as well as its predecessor. Here is Shut Up by Black Eyed Peas. I love you, boo. I love you too. I miss you a lot. I miss you even more. That's why I flew you out when we was on tour. But then something got out of hand. You start yelling when I would break plans, even though I had legitimate reasons. You know I have to make them dividends. How could you trust with private eyes, girl? That's why you don't believe my lies and quit the set. Shut up, just shut up, shut up, shut it up, just shut up, shut up. We try to take it slow, but we're still losing control. I mentioned last week that every time anyone left a room in the early 2004, you would say, I think I better leave right now. But of course, the song that we were singing to each other on the playground the most was Shut Up by Black Eyed Peas. Pretty much any time anyone said anything, you'd be like, shut up, just shut up, shut up. I heard that quite a lot. Could you believe that people would want me to shut up? Crazy. But that is at number eight. And at number seven, we talked about one side of this double A side last week. This week, we're going to talk about the second one. So this is at number seven, down from number three, Let Your Head Go by Victoria Beckham. As we said last week, Victoria Beckham recorded two albums in 2003. The hip-hop and R&B come together and the pop dance Open Your Eyes. This groove comes from the Come Together sessions and Let Your Head Go is from the Open Your Eyes sessions. At the time, everyone basically compared this to Kylie, which I think is about the biggest compliment you could give a female pop icon of the early 2000s. The Independent said it's synthy electro-pop that calls to mind can't get you out of my head. Billboard said it was the kind of irresistible dance pop that resurrected Kylie Minogue's career just a few years prior. And in the book Spice Girls Revisited, they said it boasted a tune with something of the Kylies about it. What makes let your head go incredible though is of course it's music video if you've seen that gif of victoria beckham like sitting on a throne flicking a v sign that is on the end of the video it's an incredible piece of art that you should just watch now basically anyone who ever thinks that the problem with victoria beckham is she takes herself too seriously needs to watch the let your head go video in which she basically plays like an aging diva who is constantly wearing a towel turban so i think this song it really does speak to the fact that Victoria Beckham's pop career could have had a lot of potential but unfortunately the press had already decided that they were done with her here is a sample headline this is from the Belfast newsletter posh misses the top spot yet again you know it wasn't that oh you know in one of the biggest weeks of sales of the entire year she got to number three that's great especially at a time when Mel C had had a like what number 32 hit it was all just about oh she missed out 
on the top spot, she must be completely washed up. You can see why she was like, fuck this. I'm going to go work in fashion. You know, you know that someone's been treated like shit by the music industry when they think, oh, the fashion industry will be kinder. I love this song. It's going to be when we get to the best songs of 2004. This is going to rank incredibly high. And so I have to disagree, actually, with the Can't Stop the Pop blog, which I'm usually like in total agreements with about nearly everything. I think they do amazing work. But they say in their review of Let Your Head Go, the track never pretends to be something that it isn't. Early 2000s dance pop hasn't aged awfully well at all. But even in 2003, Let Your Head, let your head Go Fun, knowingly disposable. And that works in its favour. This song isn't disposable. It's essential. It's the kind of song that makes me want to be a controversial film director just so that I can make a film like Saltburn that features Let Your Head Go and that can get it a number one single spot. And then Victoria Beckham will be forced to release it on Spotify and then everyone can see what an iconic song it is. Also, early 2000s starts but hasn't aged awfully well. How dare you? No, I love those guys. And as we said, it does leave her as the only Spice Girl whose every single solo song got in the top 10. So you have to stand, really. And I do. But we have to stop standing her for now because at number six, another new entry, not able to get another number one single. Here is Sean Paul featuring Sasha with I'm Still In Love With You. Don't forget that despite being a seemingly omnipresent figure in the mid-2000s, that Sean Paul only has two number ones, both of which he was the featured artist on. The first, of course, being Breathe by Blue Cantrell, and the second being What About Us by the Saturdays. Which actually is crazy to think that both him and S Club 8 are in this chart together and then 10 years later they'd be collaborating. Funny how pop music works, isn't it? So this is Sean Paul's cover of a song originally done by the Jamaican artist Alton Ellis. I'm still in love with you, girl. It was then covered by his own sister, Hortense Ellis. I'm still in love with you. And in my preferred version was covered by Marsha Aitken in the 1970s. I'm still in love with you, boy. Creating a number one hit in Jamaica. And seeing as Sean Paul was born in Jamaica in 1973, this is him re-recording a song that must be very familiar from his childhood. He slightly changes the lyrics for his version then. He makes it a duet between a man and a woman. The man who is trying to fob off the woman by saying like he's a player, he can't be tied down. And she, of course, saying, I'm still in love with you. Kind of baby, it's cold outside in reverse. Baby, it's warm outside. I really should stay. No, baby, it's warm outside. So we see this playing out in the chorus. Sasha sings, I'm still in love with you, boy. To which Sean Paul replies, well, I'm a hustler and a player and you, I'm not a stayer. That's the dutty, dutty love. And we can, of course, all agree that that is the dutty, dutty love. But in fact, ironically, in his own personal life, Sean Paul seems to be very much a stayer because he's been married to the same woman since 2012. Congratulations to the both of them. And compared to hip-hop dancehall singers of a similar fame, he has had much fewer dating rumours about him. There were rumours that he dated both Beyonce and Blue Cantrell, both of whom, of course, he duetted with in 2003. But these seem to be just rumours. In fact, 
Beyonce apparently confronted Sean Paul about these rumours, which is quite fascinating. He told Daily Beast that at the MTV Europe Music Awards in November, she pulled him aside. He said, this is what Sean Paul said, she was pissed and, and was like, I need to speak to you. So we go back and talk and she's like, "What? what's all these rumours about? And I'm like, yo, I'm not saying shit. And she's like, the rumours fuck with my career. I just want you to know that. Interesting, even in 2003, Beyonce very much taking control of her career. He says that he told her the rumours were not coming from him, but alleged that he was distanced from the singer nonetheless. It's weird, he said. Maybe it had something to do with her management at the time. He then, in the same interview, went on to admit that he stayed quiet about those rumours because it actually boosted his career. Kind of interesting the difference between men and women and their careers in 2003, that if you, if there are rumours that you're sleeping with your duet partner and you're a man, everyone's like, great, what a player. If it's a woman, you're like, oh, well, how does she get that job? You know, never forget, the undercurrent of this podcast is that the music industry is toxic. But here he is duetting not with Blue Cantrell or Beyonce, but with Sasha, the pseudonym of Christine Chin, a Jamaican dancehall singer. After featuring on I'm Still In Love With You, featuring Sean Paul, she apparently started a hair salon business and then converted to Christianity, which led her to disown her entire music career. So uh, Somehow, and I don't know why, she thought that songs with titles like That Sexy Body and Kill That Bitch were not very Christian. Puzzling. So, of course, this is Sean Paul's first charting song of 2004, but 2003 was truly the year of Sean Paul. He had five different songs that he appeared on that all went into the top five. Give Me The Light, Get Busy, Light Glue, Baby Boy, and, of course, Breathe getting to number one. So five songs in the top five and seven songs released in total because he also appeared on the Beanie Man song Boss Man, which got to number 78, and the De La Soul song Shoomp, which got to number 85. So busy, busy bee. At this point, he, I think, smartly decides to take a break so as not to get overexposed, and so this will be his last single until September 2005. That strategy really pays off for him there because that at that point, the song We Be Burning goes straight in at number two, but he will not have a number one single for 10 years when the Saturday's What About Us gets to number one. So for now, he will have to make do with number six for I'm Still In Love With You. At five then, another song I love thanks to a totally berserk music video, which I will get into. And if you want to see it for yourself, by the way, you can see it on our Instagram page at 2000 Chart Show. You might have to scroll down a bit, but it is there. This is at five, a new entry for the Boogie Pimps with Somebody to Love. So if you haven't seen it, the music video for Somebody to Love by Boogie Pimps features a large, partially clothed woman in lingerie rolling around in a field and babies are being parachuted onto her. Kind of, I guess the joke being that they like are all heading to her because they like want to be breastfed by her. Now it is, I have to say, sexist, but it's sexist in a way that is, I think, so cartoonish that it somehow goes full circle to being acceptable again. Just, I think it's just because the parachuting babies are so absurd that you kind of forget that what they're heading for is like a cavorting, barely clad woman. That woman, by the way, because it would be extra sexist if then I don't even give that woman a name, was Natasha Mealy, a model and page three girl who was also in another sexist but annoyingly enjoyable video, the Benny Benassi satisfaction video. In case you were wondering, she was the chainsaw in that. Sadly, however, they didn't, unlike Benny Benassi, they did not recreate this video when they performed it on Top of the Pops. Someone 
I don't know why they thought this, decided that parachuting babies from the roof of the Top of the Pop studio might have not been a good thing to do. It truly is health and safety gone mad. This song, of course, based on Somebody to Love by Jefferson Airplane. Don't you want somebody to love? Don't you They most famously did it, although it was originally by a band called Great Society, but the version that Boogie Pimps are using in this song is the Jefferson Airplane version. Boogie Pimps are Mark J. Clack, excellent name, and Mirko Jacob, an electronic dance music duo from Erfurt, Germany, a land of giant women and parachuting babies, it seems. The Boogie Pimps would try to repeat their number five success here with their song Sunny, which would be a similar reworking of the Boney M song. We want that. Although that would have less success, as we'll talk about later in the year. But first, a mini public service announcement here, because the version of Somebody to Love by the Boogie Pimps on Spotify is not the radio edit. It is a extended version, for some reason, starts with a quote from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas about buying loads of drugs. It drives me a little insane that the proper version, quote unquote, is not on Spotify. It's the same as Toka's Miracle by Fragma, although that one's worse because it literally says on that Toka's Miracle radio edit 1999. But the version that is on Spotify is not the original version. It's got re-recorded vocals and I am anal enough about this stuff that it does drive me insane every time that song comes up. So yeah, if anyone is in touch with the Boogie Pimps record label and can get that original version onto Spotify, much appreciated. So they are at number five, leaving only two new entries fighting out for that top spot, Khalees and Michelle McManus. But first, a former number one at number five, Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne with Changes. I love her so For its fifth week, so doing very well for a song that wouldn't know being in tune if it slapped it across the face. That takes us to number three, and sadly, Khalees is out of the running for that top spot, leaving just Michelle McManus facing off against Michael Andrews because she's at number three with Milkshake. about Milkshake, an iconic song of the 2000s now, but actually quite negatively received in some quarters. A lot of people comparing it negatively against Khaleesi's song Caught Out There. We certainly saw this in Smash Hits. Their guest reviewer for the week, Dr. Fox, says, I hope the video is better than the song. That's all I have to say. He gave it one foxy head out of five. And Smash Hits were in agreement, saying, Sounding very missy, this isn't a patch on the fantastic court out there. With a new album still to follow, he's hoping Khalees' trademark feistiness is returned instead of this copycat styly. Watch this space. Little did they know that this would be Khalees' defining song and one of the defining songs of 2004 hip-hop. By the way, ContactMusic.com, another reviewer who were equally negative, just like Smash Hits, they said it sounds like for 
Pharrell Williams has done this one in his sleep. It'll probably slip under the radar because unless it has a fairly decent video to back it up. It's obviously supposed to be a kind of sexy electronica, but it ends up sounding slack. Interesting there that both people mentioned the power of the music videos to change the song. However, by the end of the year, people will have to have changed their tune. The Observer magazine called it the best single of 2004. Pitchfork said it was the eighth best single of 2004. Pitchfork would then make a list of the best singles of the half decade. They made Milkshake number 21. So this song has continued relevance, which means that Khalees is constantly asked about what it means. In some interviews, she says that Milkshake is a dance. She told The Observer that it meant whatever people wanted it to mean. But the explanation that she's more recently landed on is the one that she originally gave to the Associated Press, that a milkshake is the thing that makes women special. It's what gives us confidence and makes us exciting. Now, not to deny what Khalees is saying, but I'm about 78% sure that it's about her vagina. Right, moving on swiftly from that, this as I said, it's the song that will not leave Khalees alone. In a 2016 interview with The Guardian, she was asked what would go in a Khalees milkshake and she admitted that she had never made a milkshake. But that has certainly changed in the years since because Khalees has had to do so much, frankly humiliating, milkshake-based spawn in the years since. In 2017, she teamed up with Bailey's to make an admittedly delicious-sounding milkshake. Hi, I'm Khalees and people always ask what's in my milkshake. Bailey's, obviously. In 2020, she teamed up with Deliveroo to release a milkshake pop-up in Shoreditch. And in 2023, she somehow managed to have two different pieces of milkshake based spawn. She did a Super Bowl commercial for Uber One. Your milkshakes cost way less than before. This membership is better. Hey, are you like milkshakes? And then later in the year, she did a new version of the song Milkshake for Lactaid. My milkshake is the talk of the town made with Lactaid, the best taste around. That's right, the best taste around is dairy, and I'm totally down my... I love Khalees, but yeesh, this is a humiliating piece of advertising. Little did she know when she sang the song Got Your Money, that the way she would get her money in 20 years' time was humiliating milk spawn. But of course, she is the perfect person for this because she wrote a song called Milkshake, and of course, she is famously a cordon bleu chef. I was lucky enough to eat some of her food once because I went to a food festival in London where she was doing a pop-up and it was very amazing to do that because I'm a huge fan of hers. She is very much my Beyonce and so that's why I kind of feel sorry for her that Milkshake has had such a extended life for her even though it is a great song but you kind of get the impression from interviews that she is very much over it. She told Spin Magazine that when it comes to Milkshake I'm done I'm over it let's move on don't just leave it in front of me. It was delicious thank you so much please take it away. So with Milkshake, I don't regret it or resent it at all. And I found fun new ways to perform it and do it and make it enjoyable for people. I don't put too much thought into it. Then she told E a few years later, it's still recognisable and it's still something that I think takes place in this generation, but I think it's lived its life. So she's totally done. And she's right when she does it live, which she kind of is forced to. She has found interesting ways to do it. My favourite of which was when I saw her at Lovebox Festival in 2012, in which she mashed it up with Madonna's Holiday. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard And they're like, it's better than yours Damn right, it's better than yours I could teach you, but I have to charge This led to one of my favourite moments I've ever had in a gay bar There was a all-Madonna night at the Eagle in Vauxhall And obviously I'd had a few drinks And so me and my group of friends started singing the words to Milkshake over Madonna's holiday And we got about half the room to join in Which was uh, great fun because everyone knows the words to Milkshake because it is, was a huge selling song. According to officialcharts.com, Khalees' second biggest selling song, selling 338,000 copies, putting it just behind Bounce, her collaboration with Calvin Harris, which is her biggest selling song. Both of those are two of her nine top 10 hits she's had in the UK. Caught out there, finest dreams, Milkshake, 
Not In Love, her duet with Enrique, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. Trick Me, Millionaire, Lil Star, Acapella, and her final top 10 single, Bounce. A, in my opinion, perfect top 10 run from a hugely underrated artist. I call her my Beyonce kind of quite facetiously but at this point they were pretty much you know i think they were quite neck and neck for who was going to become the like legendary icon you know beyonce got a number one hit Kalisa's here with number two the album tasty i think was much more critically well received than dangerously in love so it could have gone the other way but as we've seen with beyonce's confrontation of sean paul at the european music awards she may have put a little bit more thought into making her career a success than Kalise has who seems to enjoy doing mad things like becoming a chef and sleeping with bill murray can't see beyonce doing that somehow so milkshake is at number three this week but this is not its peak in the chart it will go to number two next week so still one more place to go for Kalise. It will then stay at number two for four weeks, which is pretty good going. However, this week is at number three, behind, very excitingly, at number two, Michael Andrews and Gary Jules' Mad World. No tomorrow, and I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. Find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad down from one in its fourth week which means that we have a new number one she's managed to follow will young to the top spot michelle mcmanus pop idol winner with all this time the 969th uk number one single and by all this time of course she means about nine weeks which is all the time that she has put into her singing career at this point it's Definitely this song is a record of that brief period in time where every reality singing competition winner had to release a song that was about winning the competition. Of Will Young's Anything Is Possible, a huge example of this, as is Kelly Clarkson's and Leona Lewis's A Moment Like This. You know, v- vaguely related to you could, p- perfect songs that you could play over a montage of them winning because you hadn't had time to record a video because you wanted to release a song as soon as they'd won Pop Idol. As a result of it following that trend, however, it already sounds incredibly old-fashioned in, in 2004. Let's not forget that the last major reality singing competition winners were Girls Aloud, whose Sound of the Underground blows this song out of the water. However, Michelle McManus, a worthy winner of Pop Idol Season 2, she led the voting of Pop Idol nearly every single week. Out of the nine weeks of live shows, she was the most voted for contestant six out of those nine times and she won against mark rhodes who would end up being part of the duo sam and mark she would win against him with 58 percent of the vote releasing what would go on to be the sixth biggest selling song of 2004 so definitely a success although once you see the fact that will young sold 1.1 million copies of his single whereas she sold 117,000 copies in the first week you do see that there may be a problem containing that momentum certainly that's what pete waterman thought he apparently stormed off the pop idol set in protest calling her rubbish and there was quite a lot of negative press reaction against her in the press a lot of it i think frankly disgustingly fat phobic especially this is from the sunday mercury he said that she won the competition because of the quote-unquote fat vote saying the fact that she had won as a larger person he said the harm that this has done is incalculable life's may quite literally be at stake his completely batshit idea that people would see michelle mcmanus on like mtv and think oh i must put on loads of weight to become a pop star then is so offensive but this idea that she had won just because she was fat kind of continued and would mean that her career was very short-lived 
although she here becomes the first Scottish female to debut at the top of the UK singles chart. A fun little fact, her second single would go to number 16 and she would inevitably be dropped from her record label. She would go on to tell Loose Women in, I think, 2016 that she was dropped from her record label because of her weight. I think that is true in that it meant that she was difficult to market in the ways that they would market thinner celebrities but also you just you can't recover if you're a reality tv contestant whose second song goes to number 16 however for now she is flying high with the third highest selling first week for a single that we will see in 2004 only do they know it's christmas and fuck it by amon will do better in their first weeks with their singles so congratulations to michelle mcmanus short but sweet time as a pop idol unlike this sweet but lengthy episode but thank you again for listening another great week at the charts it's got interesting the beginning of 2004 it seems that all the kind of pop girlies kind of blew their sleigh load so to speak at the end of 2003 and so these first few months are kind of without the big pop stars that we like don't worry they are all coming back and next week is a huge moment in the charts that i've been talking about pretty much since we started this podcast because franz ferdinand's take me out is about to enter the top 40 and start the second indie boom so can't wait to talk about that but for now please like rate review subscribe five stars only if you have any criticisms i don't know blame javine please follow us on all the socials twitter at 2000 chart show instagram at the 2000 chart show email us at the 2000 chart show at gmail.com Still trying to find that S Club Juniors interview clip that we talked about last week, if anyone can find that. But for now, let's celebrate this week's number one, all this time by Michelle McManus.